So do you remember what you felt when you learned for the first time that you were going to become a grandparent? Think about the answer to that question as we get ready to listen to Josh Mulvihill. But first, welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I am joined here today by our Legacy Coalition founder and CEO, Larry Fowler. Uh, Larry, um, do you remember what it felt like when you learned for the first time that you were going to become a grandparent? Is that a a recent well, memory or is that too far back in the <laughs> that's That's too far. I don't remember what it was like when I first learned that I was going to be a grandparent, but boy, do I remember the first day I was a grandparent. And, and that was because my, my first grandchild was born on my birthday, Wayne. Oh, really? So, yeah, that, that was a pretty special birthday present. In fact, you know, my daughter and, and her husband didn't have, they didn't have much money at the time. She said, dad, this is a pretty expensive birthday present. And I agree. I've never, never gotten one as expensive or as special as that since. Yeah. Pretty cool. I, I I just remember um, the euphoria that you feel it's, it's not really unlike the, the the euphoria that you feel when your first child is born. And I I can remember when our son Nathan was born and just how over the top um, happy I was uh, about that. And uh, then when his first child was born, uh, I felt the same thing. And I knew immediately that my, that my, my status had changed. You know, it was now a new title that I had, but I don't think I understood at the time or had any idea really how that was going to change my, uh, my uh, responsibility or my role, you know, and that's something that I think um, most grandparents probably don't realize as well. You you get a new title. Yeah. I'm now a grandpa, but you don't really realize what that what that really means. And uh, no, I I didn't either. It was several years later, actually, before I really began thinking about it. Uh, certainly yeah. not right away. I'm like you, just excited over the birth and. Yeah, but it was, it was yeah, it was a great feeling. Well, anyway, Josh Mulvihill is going to answer that question in a, in a minute. I'm glad he's he's our guest uh, on on this podcast because he was one of the uh, the founding group. Uh, I guess you could say kind of a founding father of the Legacy Coalition back when we yes. uh, began this whole thing in in 2015. Larry, you've known uh, Josh for a long time. I met him for the first time at at the meeting that you called really to, to, yeah. to, to organize the legacy coalition. How did you meet him? How did you get involved? Uh, how did, how did Josh get involved with the legacy coalition? Well, that was in August, 2015. And I met him at that very same meeting for the first time, Wayne, I had not met him before, but I'd heard about him and I heard about him from Kevin Harper and Kevin is such a friend of our ministry. And, you know, Kevin is the one in America that's been thinking about this role of a Christian grandparent for 20-some years. And we were putting together a symposium on grandparenting that had never been done before. And I invited you, and I, I invited Kevin, and Kevin said, well, we need to invite Josh, Josh Mulvihill. And I didn't know who he was. And then I learned out he wasn't a grandparent. And I was kind of skeptical. What are we doing inviting this young guy 
to come speak on grandparenting. And then I found out that he was working on his doctoral work and that he chose the topic of Christian grandparent to focus on for his doctoral work because um, of the impact of grandparents in his life. And um, we had him come and present. You probably remember that as well. He had his paper there. There was his dissertation that he was working on. And it was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, because he had done research that nobody had ever done before on the topic of grandparenting. So that was our start. Uh, getting acquainted with him, you you remember his talk too, probably from that time. Oh yeah, and it was it was uh, rather uh, academic at the time, you know, because it was a lot of research and numbers and and uh, you know percentages and so forth. But still, I he, he communicated it really well, and yep. um, and it was all material that I had never heard before. I don't think any anyone had done that kind of research before on grandparenting. Well, and then, like you said, he was a part of a legacy coalition when we first started back when we didn't have any money. And uh, Josh was really feeling called to family ministry. And he was he was a family pastor at his church at the time. But he stepped away to pursue pursue what he felt God was leading him to do. And he he wanted to continue as part of legacy coalition, but he needed to put food on his table. So (laughs) we could we couldn't pay him. So he went with a different organization, but he has remained a close friend and certainly a contributor to all the things that we've done. And we're so thankful for him. He is certainly, certainly a collaborator with us on this issue of encouraging Christian grandparents to become intentional in their faith. Yeah, we've, uh, and and Josh has been a, a main stage speaker at all three of our previous, uh, legacy grandparenting summits, um, and uh, we're going to listen to one of those right now that uh, was presented at our Fullerton conference in 2019. His message was titled Four Characteristics of a Disciple-Making Grandparent. Um, so uh, let's listen. Here is uh, Josh Mulvihill uh, speaking to grandparents back in 2019. Well, it is uh, great to be here with you, and one of the first questions that always gets asked is, uh, first, you don't look like a grandparent, and second, how in the world did you get to the place of talking about this subject? And uh, Wayne touched on that briefly, but it really started for me about 10 years ago when I was a pastor in Minnesota. Uh, I started asking the families at our church what they were doing to disciple their children. And I kept hearing over and over again a lot of excuses, a lot of good intentions, uh, but low numbers of families that were discipling their children. And, uh, and I had kind of a crisis moment as a pastor realizing, man, if they're not doing it at home, that puts a significant weight on us as a church and me as a pastor. I need to help these families. And as a young pastor, I didn't know how to do that. So I went back to school to get a PhD in family ministry, went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, which at the time was the only institution that was offering something in that arena, uh, and uh, started a, a process of studying. And while there, 
uh, decided, I wonder what's out in, uh, in the world of parenting and grandparenting. Did research on both, of course, found mountains on parenting uh, and couldn't find a lot on grandparenting. And so I asked the professors that were there, uh, what's out? I'm sure I'm just not looking in the right place. And they said, you know, we really, we really don't know. And all I could find was a handful of resources one uh, ministry, the Christian Grandparent Network, Kevin Harper has become a very good friend. Uh, but the Lord, uh, for some reason, opened my eyes up to uh, this and laid it on my heart and uh, decided, you know, I think I'm going to try to do something to uh, equip the millions of Christian grandparents that exist in the U.S. Uh, and so I started a long process, which is now about 10 years old. Uh, so I've been thinking about this for a while, but one of the first things that I did was to spend an entire year reading cover th to cover through the Bible, uh, taking notes of everything that uh, I came across re uh, referring to grandparenting, uh, and came up with a hundred single-spaced pages and had to make heads and tails of all of that. Uh, and, you know, I started looking for uh, phrases like grandparent, and if you do that, you aren't going to find much in the Bible because the Bible doesn't use that word very often. Depending on the translation, you only see it a couple times. Uh, but the Bible does have hundreds of references to grandparents. It just uses different terminology. Uh, phrases like children's children's and sons' sons and fathers' fathers and forefathers and generations. And when you start uh, looking at those terms, suddenly it explodes what the Bible says about grandparenting. There is mountains and there's a lot. Uh, and, and one of probably the most common passages that uh, we think of with uh, family, family discipleship is Deuteronomy 6. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, but oftentimes the Christian community limits uh, the, that passage specific to parents. And I think one of the reasons for that is because we have uh, misdefined or uh, too narrowly defined what the family is. And we have said that family is parent and child. And under that definition, of course, grandparents miss out. They're not part of the family. Uh, and of course, that's not God's picture of, uh, of family. It's a, a multi-generational uh, picture that we see in the Bible. But when we look at the whole context of Deuteronomy 6, when we back up just a little bit into verses 1 and verses 2, uh, we see that Deuteronomy 6, uh, one of the many passages in the Bible that uh, applies to grandparenting. Uh, and this is what Deuteronomy 6 uh, verses 1 and 2 says. Moses states that the commands of God are for you, for your son, and for your son's son. And so then when we look at the rest of Deuteronomy 6, that all of us probably know fairly well uh, that is not just specific to parents. It opens up to uh, grandparents as well. So I have the, the joy of speaking to grandparents all over the country, and uh, almost every single grandparent that I meet wants to connect very deeply with their adult children, uh, wants to make a significant eternal difference in the life of their grandchildren. And the wonderful thing is, is that the Bible equips us to do that very thing. And so we're going to spend uh, the time that I have up here, we're going to look through uh, four characteristics of a discipling, a disciple-making grandparent from Scripture. Uh, as I mentioned, the Bible has a lot to say, uh, so we're just scratching the surface. 
Um, so we're going to hit four. Uh, and my encouragement, uh, I know some of these will apply to you in the sense that you'll hear them. It'll be hopefully an encouragement to you that you'll say, I'm tracking with that, I'm doing well, and that's great. I think the Bible uh, hopefully is affirming to us in that way. There are some others that uh, you may say, this is an area of growth for me, uh, and both will hopefully be uh, helpful. Uh, So the first, first characteristic of a disciple-making grandparent is they view grandchildren as a blessing, not as a burden. So do you remember what you felt when you learned for the first time that you were going to become a grandparent? Were you enthusiastic or were you ambivalent? Were you excited or were you anxious? Were you motivated or were you mad? Did you view your new grandchild as a blessing or as a burden? Uh, There's a picture I want you to see on the screen here of my family. Um, You're going to see the whole extended family. My uh, my dad is uh, obviously the older looking one there. Uh, My mom died about 10 years ago, so that's, we call her Grammy Pammy. Uh, She's my stepmom and then uh, brother's sister and our extended family. We have 17 grandkids, so we got a lot. Uh, But on the far side of the screen, uh, my brother Jared's holding Levi. Uh, Levi has severe Down syndrome, and he has significantly influenced the dynamic of our family with what we can and what we cannot do. Uh, Levi is not the easiest child to parent, not the easiest child to grandparent. Uh, With severe Down syndrome, Uh, There are a lot of questions that were raised, I know, in my dad's mind about, am I able to love Levi, to provide for Levi what Levi needs? It's so different than all of the other grandchildren. 17 grandkids on top of that, it's a lot of birthdays to keep track of. It's a lot of relationships to build. It's a lot of time to invest. 17 blessings or 17 burdens. Uh, I don't know about your situation, um, whether it's in general or in specific to a grandchild, but this first point that we're talking about right now really gets at our heart and really at your attitude about being a grandparent, uh, which gets at what you believe about grandparenting. You know, we want our attitude about grandparenting to reflect God's attitude about grandparenting. And so I want to ask the question, what is God's attitude towards grandparenting? Uh, He actually says a couple things about that in the Bible, and I want to explore that with you. First, the Bible tells us that it is a blessing to know your grandchildren. Psalm 128.6 says, may you see your children's children. The ministry of grandparenting is to be received as a blessing, not rejected as a a burden. And so I'm going to hit at your attitude right now, grandparent. Uh, the, the grandparent who has a poor attitude towards grandparenthood in general or a grandchild specifically is at odds with God's plan. The fact that you're here means you probably have a pretty good attitude towards grandparenting in general. I'm going to guess that unless you got dragged here by your spouse and came kicking and screaming. Uh, if so, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Uh, But what about the Levi's or the others in your family that aren't 
always the easiest to grandparent, to be a grandparent towards. It's a good reminder for all of us that every grandchild is created in the image of God and is therefore his sovereign plan for your life. Every grandchild is to be highly valued regardless of gender, race, health, or personality. Every grandchild is to be received with love and embraced as God's good design for your life. And I think our influence in many ways begins with our receiving the gift that God has given us. And sometimes we don't always see every single grandchild as a gift. So where are you at with that right now? Uh, and here's the, the uh, kind of the, the main point of this one. Grandchildren are a blessing. Do you believe that? Or have you felt resentment because of some cost that has been asked or required of you as a grandparent? And we could talk through many different life situations, especially those that we don't picture in our future. Uh, when life goes according to plan, uh, maybe the resentment and the anger doesn't always well up in us, but especially when life throws us a curveball. And by nature, parenting, grandparenting, it requires sacrifice. We have to die to ourselves, sometimes die to our wants, and that is the exact opposite message that you are fed by culture that you've done your time, now you're free to go play and to go travel, and I think sometimes that wells up some resentment when that's met with some of the cost that is asked of us with our family. So if you've ever wished a grandchild wasn't born or that you'd never become a grandparent, you're not alone. Uh, when I travel and speak, I meet uh, many grandparents who sometimes won't verbally admit that view, that they sometimes view grandchildren as a burden, but they harbor those feelings quietly in their heart. So if you've struggled to receive a specific grandchild as a blessing, I'm going to encourage you to pray that God would soften your heart and to change your attitude and ask that God would give you his love for that grandchild. And I think some of us need to release our plans to the Lord and trust in his sovereignty. Uh, we, we want the Bible to shape how we view our grandchildren, and the Bible doesn't just stop there in talking about how God views grandchildren. The Bible also tells us that it is a blessing to have grandchildren. So Proverbs seventeen six says this, grandchildren are a crown of the aged. That's a significant statement. I've actually meditated on this verse for many hours, and it's a, it's a rich, rich verse, uh, but when you think about um, that verse, it really hits at the incredible value of grandchildren. And interestingly, it's not wealth, it's not health, it's not career accomplishments or social status that the Bible says is the crown of your life. That honor goes to a grandchild. And when you think about what a crown bestows, it, I think of things like honor, if you wear a crown in life, you have honor. It represents a high position in life, unmatched through any other source. And what that says to me is this. Your attitudes and your actions should reflect the value given to grandchildren by God in Scripture. And if you've been around uh, in, into any of the Legacy Coalition stuff, you've heard we talk about uh, giving children a blessing and grandchildren a blessing. It's amazing in Scripture that for you, grandparent, your grandchild is God's blessing to you. 
That's awesome. Do you receive that grandchild as that good gift, even if it requires some significant cost and sacrifice in your life? Number two, a disciple-making grandparent understands the biblical purpose of grandparenting. So we talk about grandparenting on purpose. Million-dollar question, what is the purpose of grandparenting? Do you know, in my research, discovered that only about one in four Christian grandparents have clarity on that question. I'll do a really deep dive into this in uh, one of my seminars on understanding the biblical role of a grandparent. But for now, I want to summarize this by saying that you have to have a settled conviction on this truth. God designed grandparenting. He created it. Grandparenting is God's idea, and I'm reminded of a passage in Colossians 1.16, which states, all things were created by him and for him, which tells us that grandparenting was created by God, its purpose is for God. And that is an important point for all Christian grandparents to understand, because everything, including grandparenting, that God creates has a purpose. And so I think the next natural question to ask is, if God created grandparenting, why did he do so? There must be a purpose for it, and what is it meant to accomplish? So God created grandparents to partner with parents to raise the next generation to know, love, and serve Jesus. I think of grandparents as teammates, working towards the same biblical goals. We're, we're fellow laborers who are created to point grandchildren to Christ and help them to uh, grow into spiritual maturity. One of the phrases that I like to use talking about grandparents, uh, you'll see it on the screen here, is this. Grandparents, you are the adjunct servant of the godly parent, and you are the spiritual surrogate of the ungodly parent. So what do I mean by those two phrases? As we think about how God designed uh, children to come to faith and grow into faith, uh, it's helpful to remember that parents are the primary disciple makers in a child's life, but God created grandparents as the second uh, and, and uh, supportive influence in a child's life. So if parents are raising children in the Lord, then grandparents come along and support and encourage parents to fulfill the tasks that God's given them and to reinforce the work of a parent by, direct, by investing directly in the spiritual life of the adult child. I like to call you grandparents the disciplers of the disciple makers, meaning you still get to invest in your adult children to help them grow because every time you do that, you are investing in your grandchildren. But then you have a role to invest directly with every single grandchild as well to disciple them according to what the Bible calls you to do. If parents are not raising your grandchildren in the Lord, uh, then grandparents have the opportunity to lovingly encourage parents to take seriously the responsibility that God has given them. And honestly, guys, I think you guys have as much or as great of an opportunity as any pastor or any church because you, in many times, have a much better relationship and open door to do that 
than, uh, than sometimes the uh, other influences in their life. Not always the case, but sometimes. So children who are not actively discipling uh, their children present an opportunity for you to invest more heavily by stepping into a more prominent role into your grandchild's life. And if that's your case, I know the, um, there's a thousand and one family uh, dynamics that are at play, but if your adult child gives you the opportunity to do that, I want to encourage you to take those reins and to step in uh, if, uh, if given that role. Uh, family discipleship, I believe, is one of the critical reasons that grandparents are needed. You are in an excellent position to encourage an adult child to prioritize the discipleship of, ch- of children. And so I'm going to encourage you, grandparents, every single one of you needs clarity on a very important question. How much discipleship is happening in your child's home? This is what set me on the trajectory that is putting me before you right now because I actually started to ask those questions and to look into what's happening in the home. And sometimes I think we make the assumption that more is happening than actually is. And so I want to encourage you to step into one of those two uh, roles. Uh, The third uh, is disciple-making grandparents are actively involved with family. So research reveals that the quality of a grandparent and grandchild relationship is based on the frequency of interaction. And so not surprisingly, it is extremely difficult to develop a deep and intimate relationship with limited contact, which of course reduces the influence and and spiritual impact that you can have in a grandchild's life. There are two researchers, you probably won't know their names, but their last names are Sherlin and Furstenberg, or Fustenberg. They actually researched the amount of time that the average grandparent spends with a grandchild, and they broke it down into three categories. Uh, I want you to consider which one that you fall into, and it may be different uh, depending on each of the Uh, family units that you have and the open door or closed doors that are uh, available to you. But the first is this, it's detached, and uh, these researchers have said that that applies to about one out of every four grandparents, and this is how they describe it. Detached grandparents often urge children to be self-sufficient and independent, which then creates an emotional distance between family members resulting in grandparents being remote figures in their family's life. So that's first. Second is passive grandparents. This is about one out of every three. They've said about 29%. Passive grandparents are careful to keep their distance. They do not uh, press for additional time with family, often feel burdened by the responsibility of being a grandparent, and are sometimes ambivalent but still feel the role of grandparenthood is rewarding. What they have found is that detached and passive grandparents spend about uh, once out, one time a month is what they get together with a grandchild or connect, interact with. Uh, obviously, that's pretty hard to have a deep influence. So the, uh, the, the, the takeaway here is pretty easy. You increase the time, you in- increase the impact. That's a simple, practical thing for uh, many in here potentially. The third is active grandparents, which is about one out of every two. Active grandparents spend a lot of time with grandchildren, have a positive view of being a grandparent, 
regularly share their opinions and gently tell grandchildren when they disapprove of a choice or a behavior. And they average about one time a week interacting with family. So the question for you is how often do you interact with each of your grandchildren and your, grand, or, and your children? I think children and grandchildren spell love this way. T-I-M-E. And if you want to impact them, spend more of that. If your interaction is infrequent, a simple way is for you to increase the time. Texting, letter writing, phone calls, face-to-face visits are all wonderful tools. Uh, the, The smartphone, I think, is an essential grandparenting tool today, whether you are close or far. Uh, when I read through Scripture, the passage that really hits at this is Psalm 92, 12 through 15. It paints the picture of an active grandparent. Uh, the, the psalmist uses this picture of a, of, a, of a palm tree, which I walk around here in Southern California, and it's a great reminder of this passage. So maybe every time you see a palm tree, you'll be thinking about this point uh, that the Bible makes. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of the Lord. They will still bear fruit in old age. They They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. You know, date palm trees, they can bear hundreds of pounds of fruit well past 150 years of age and are a picture of what I think God wants for you as a grandparent in the later half or later third of your life. The psalmist teaches that righteousness in old age uh, is the result then of continued spiritual production of fruit. And Psalm 92 shouts a truth that all grandparents need to hear, and that's this. Age does not impair fruit-bearing capabilities. It enhances them. Psalm 92 reminds you that the latter years of your life ought to be spiritually productive years for the purpose of declaring the nature of God to the next generation. Uh, I'm reminded that American culture often tries to convince you as a grandparent that you have little to offer and oftentimes that you should keep your mouth quiet. Uh, And Psalm 92 says just the opposite. Uh, You have a lot to offer and the reality is you should be fruit-bearing till the end of your days. Number four, disciple-making grandparents make themselves available to help. Today's parents often feel overwhelmed, and grandparents are there to help. The Huffington Post declared that overwhelmed parents are so common that they declared that it is a national crisis. Parents are overworked, family life is often overscheduled, and some of your adult children often feel very overwhelmed. The result is high levels of stress that leads to irritability, anxiety, depression, and insomnia. I'm uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the passage in Titus 2 where Paul encourages older women to train younger women and older men to train younger men. God's design for the family is for the older to help and to train the younger. And many of your adult children need help. And I hear quite often from young individuals that they would love 
a mentor, and God has built that into the family. You know, it's been, I'm guessing, um, for those that, are, I know there's some in here that are raising grandchildren, but if, uh, if you've not been in that season of young kids in your home, uh, sometimes the distance leaves uh, maybe not a crisp memory of what that is like. And I want to read a couple parents' uh, testimonies to you as a reminder of the weight that some of your children are feeling. This is one mom after she had a baby. She said, now that I'm back to work full time, I get up at 5 a.m. to get the kids' lunches ready. I often find myself doing laundry at 10 p.m. Last week, I was picking the groceries up from the supermarket at 11 p.m. I'm so exhausted at night that when I get to bed, I can hardly talk to my husband, much less make love with him. I don't like living this way, but I'm not seeing a way out. A different mom says this, when it comes to parenting, our work is never done. Things shout at us from every direction, making it easy to get perpetually stuck in doing mode. Help Sammy with the spelling words. Take the splinter out of Shannon's finger. Do the dishes. Feed the dog. Sign the permission slip. Get the, the boys in the bath. It doesn't matter what causes us to feel overwhelmed. Sometimes it can be the culmination of little stressors, orange peels all over the floor, peanut butter on the stairs, sassing back by the eight-year-old, kids that don't want to go to bed, bills piling up on the counter, or it can just be that life is deciding that at this moment, it's simply going to be hard. Money stuff, relationship issues, sickness, death, kid issues. I know that's the world of some of your children, and I think God has given you a golden opportunity, grandparents, to step in and be a tangible help to them. You know, parents aren't just overwhelmed by endless tasks. They're also overwhelmed by the volume of opinions on how to parent. Facebook feeds are full of opinions about nutrition, education, healthcare, and athletics. Academic research presents compelling arguments from different perspectives on media consumption, brain development, vaccinations, and a long list of other topics that parents must consider. And I've seen that parents are increasingly taking their parenting cues from other sources than the Bible. And many are unsure how to raise their children to follow and to serve Jesus. And in fact, many have quiet fears about messing up their kids and are unsure what to do. I think a lot of your children need help with some simple things, managing their home, day-to-day -day tasks, break from their children, parenting guidance from the Bible. And if you've not stepped in or offered in any of these ways, I want to encourage you to do that. And I think as you get involved in those day-to-day -day areas, the opportunities to speak into their life are going to come to the surface because you're going to see what's going on. You're just going to be part of doing life together. I want to encourage you to ask your adult children, how are you doing? How is your marriage? How can we help? And maybe they'll have an answer for you and open the door. Maybe they won't, but my encouragement is, if they don't, that's okay. Ask again and offer another time. You know, my research on a uh, similar uh, topic, a little to the side of this, uh, revealed that only one in 10 Christian grandparents are directly involved with the zero to 18 generation, children and youth, at their church in any meaningful way. The majority of grandparents have limited interaction with the young people of their congregation that amounts 
pretty much to a passing greeting in the hall, and it results in a pretty limited influence spiritually in their life. Uh, and when I asked grandparents why, they said, you know, I, I don't know if we feel wanted, I don't know if we feel needed, we don't know if we have a lot to offer uh, the, the young generation. And some grandparents told me, you know, that was, we did that, that was our season where we've handed off the baton uh, to our children and to the next generation. But in Titus 2, Paul gives an important leadership responsibility to the older generation to build into the younger generation. And I think this also applies to your church, uh, to be models of the Christian life, to be teachers of the younger generation. The church is in need of you, Christian grandparent. They need your maturity to be poured into their life. Um, I've got a picture on the screen here of my son. Uh, this is who we call Miss Nancy. Um, my son, Asher, uh, has been the benefit of an adoptive grandmother. Uh, as I started to share this vision of grandparenting with the church where I was a pastor, uh, Nancy caught that, and uh, she is a grandmother of her own, but she began investing in the children of Grace Church, and she ended up being uh, happened to become the teacher of my son's Awana class, and over the years, um, they've developed a, a wonderful relationship. Uh, so Asher oftentimes will walk into the, the kitchen, and Asher will be on the phone just chatting away with Miss Nancy. He has her on speed dial and talks to her about everything under the sun. Uh, they get together. Uh, he, uh, Asher serves sometimes with Miss Nancy with communion. In fact, just this last weekend, we had communion at our church, and Miss Nancy was going there. We didn't have it set up, so he didn't get to go, and he was like in tears. But I'll tell you, the last time he went and served, uh, I walked to pick up Asher, and he had all the extra communion glasses lined up with a little grape juice in them, and he was taking grape juice shots. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and he was having uh, a blast. Uh, we don't have any biological grandmothers in our family. My mom died, as I mentioned, 10 years ago. My, my wife's mother died five years ago. And uh, Miss Nancy has been a huge blessing. Who are the Ashers in your church that you can invest in, grandparent? Your own children and grandchildren, what help can you offer to them that would be a tangible way to be getting into their life uh, to step into uh, to their family. And I guarantee doors will open as you just get involved in, uh, in those ways. You know, each of these uh, areas, uh, attitude, purpose, time, help, they have the, the potential to strengthen relationships, uh, to help your grandchildren grow uh, into maturity, into Jesus Christ. And so I hope one or more of them resonated with you. I'm gonna end today with, uh, with a grandparent blessing um, I, we often talk about blessing here. Kevin Harper has a seminar on the spoken blessing. And I, if you've never uh, heard that or learned how to do that, I want to encourage you to uh, take that in. Uh, but I want to offer a blessing to you. So I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. Your role is significant. Your impact is, uh, is powerful. And I believe it makes a difference in families and in churches and hopefully eternally with your grandchildren, and I want to thank you for that and bless you as you go about that work. So I'm gonna ask you to, if you're uh, wanting to receive this blessing, to just stick out your hands in an open posture. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and, uh, and just receive this blessing. Um, 
the grandparent blessing. Like Abraham, may you know God intimately and be his friend. Like Jeremiah, may you be gripped with the clear sense of God's calling on your life. May he empower you as he did Joshua and, De- and Deborah. May he guide you and provide for you as he did Ruth. May he in his providence strategically use you as he did Daniel and Esther for his great glory. Like Ezekiel, when your mission is completed, may your family know that one of God's spokespersons has been among them. Like the disciples, may you make disciples of all nations, beginning with your children and your children's children. And like Grandmother Lois, may you pass on a heritage of faith to future generations. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you for Jesus' sake. Amen. That was Josh Mulvihill, and uh, as always, a very clear and practical presentation of the basics, the biblical foundation for intentional Christian grandparenting. Uh, Larry, you know, as I listen to uh, Josh, uh, one thing that's really encouraging uh, as he talks about characteristics, all of these are, are, are doable. You know, they're not something that's, you don't have to have a special education. You don't have to have special curriculum. You don't have to have any of those things. Uh, but you just need to be available. You need to be actively involved in your family, those kinds of things. You need to understand really what the purpose of grandparenting is. And those are all things that, that any of us can do. Well, that's why we use the word or the phrase intentional Christian grandparents all the time too, Wayne, is because intentional, and he's kind of unpacked what intentional means there, but intentional is something every grandparent can do. Even if you live across the ocean from your grandkids, you can still be intentional, even if you don't see them. And some grandparents even have the situation where they're not allowed to see their grandkids, but that doesn't stop you from being intentional. There's still things that you can do. It changes what you do, but it can't stop you from being intentional in doing what you can to pass on your influence to future generations. Yeah. Well, uh, Josh did a great job, uh, there at uh, at the Fullerton conference that we did a couple of years ago. We weren't able to uh, put on a summit last year because of COVID, but we're excited that uh, Josh is going to be back with us at our summit uh, conference in uh, October. We'll be in Birmingham and also at simulcast locations all over the country. He's not going to be uh, speaking on the same topic this year. Uh, the topic that he wants to speak on is shaping a biblical worldview in your grandchildren, which really sounds good. And it's, uh, uh, has a lot to do with what he is doing himself right now. He's working with an organization called Renew a Nation. And really that uh, ministry is all about how do we help the next generation develop a, a biblical worldview. So how do we do that as grandparents? So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm sure we'll learn some things from Josh. He's an incredibly smart man, and we appreciate him so very, very much. We'll look forward to what he has to say. So anybody that's listening, if you want the, ad, uh, want, want the answer to that, then plan to attend the conference. <clears throat> and Larry, you know, the, the, uh, the Legacy Grandparenting Summit is in its fourth year. And uh, so far, you know, we've just had some incredible feedback uh, from people who have attended, just what it's meant to them, how it's changed their lives. 
I know you've heard a lot of those stories. Well, yeah, I I just share a couple. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had lunch with a couple that had come to our Fullerton conference in 2019. And the lady said, you know what? On the way, I was thinking, I'm a really good grandma. I don't know why I'm going to this conference. She said, I could probably teach a workout or a, a, a breakout on, on the conference. Well, she probably could, but her eyes were open. And she said she got there and just a few hours into the conference, she saw grandparenting with brand new eyes. Uh, that's happened. Yesterday, I was on a call with a couple uh, folks from um, the Houston area. They came to the conference. It transformed their grandparenting. The next year, they came back with 20 from their church, and it changed the perspective of grandparenting in their whole church. Uh, that's what will happen. If there are any of you that are listening, you attend the conference. It will uh, transform how you perceive grandparenting. And I mean that in a good way. Your vision will be broadened and it'll be awesome. You've heard those stories too, Wayne. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, what? sometimes you think, uh, well, wh- how much can you really say about grandparenting anyway? It's it's a yeah. fairly simple thing. But, uh, and and so like you say, people come maybe with a pre preconceived idea of what it's all about. And then they just don't realize when they come just... Um, all the nuances of grandparenting that we hadn't even thought about before that really changes then our whole mindset about about our role and uh, the responsibilities that we have as grandparents. Josh Mulvihill is going to be coming back. Uh, uh, you mentioned Kevin Harper earlier. Uh, Kevin will be with us. Uh, John Stone Street is also coming. Rob Reno, uh, Reggie Joyner, Kara Powell, uh, Kenny Ken Davis, who's always uh, a lot of fun. And uh, Valerie Bell will be there. We're going to have some great music uh, from Fernando Ortega uh, and, and my uh, my favorites, uh, the Isaacs. Um, hope you like some bluegrass, Larry. Um, oh, I love bluegrass and I love the Isaacs. They're one of my favorite groups. That kind of gets me back to my roots. So, yeah, they're 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 actually best known as as an incredible vocal group, but. Yes. Uh, they they like to use bluegrass uh, instruments, uh, you know, and the, they grew up with bluegrass music. But anyway, all the information is uh, right there on our LegacyCoalition.com website. Uh, so registration is going on now. You can, uh, you can register for the conference um, in Birmingham, which is where uh, the broadcast will originate. Or you can attend uh, at a simulcast location. Uh, near you, and there's there's going to be about 50 uh, simulcast locations all around the country. Larry, any other uh, late breaking news from the Legacy Coalition that you want to share? Well, we're still uh, seeing uh, more and more churches sign up to be uh, simulcast sites for the conference. That's that's really big news for us, and uh, we're real thankful for that. We're going to have. By the time we're done, we we believe there's going to be well over 100 different sites across the country where people can go to participate in this summit. So not just in the live site of Birmingham, but in those simulcast sites all around the country. Yeah, well, that's exciting. And that wraps up Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and Larry Fowler saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparents.